Welcome to Mums Not The Word podcast. This has been funded by the Arts Council. My name is Melanie Calais and I'm your host. Mums Not The Word is a photo book, exhibition and a podcast depicting women who do not have children and their reflections on what this means to them as individuals. Raising questions of identity, social constructs, the concept of what it is to be a woman and how stereotype behaviour is influenced by various factors, both external and internal, such as the expectation around having children and the impact this has in an era of environmental crisis. During this podcast, you'll be listening to interviews with two participants of the book, Kit and Xanthi, environmental and social justice journalist Anu Shukla, women's rights and empowerment campaigner from Population Matters, Katrina Dixon, and six photography students aged 16 to 18 from Rygate School of Art, who responded to the themes of the exhibition and that I will be reading them out throughout the podcast. I would like to welcome our first guest, Xanthea Gresham-Knight. She's a performer and a storyteller. Her work has seen her touring nationally and internationally. She's had pieces of work commissioned by the British Museum and the Arts Council, to name but a few. And she spent 17 years working as a senior lecturer in drama and storytelling for the University of East London. So thank you for joining us, um, Xanthi, today to talk about your experience as a childless woman. I have um, the book open here, Mum's Not the Word, and here you are on page 15. Um, how did you feel to be asked to be in the book? Oh, absolutely delighted. I think Denise has done a wonderful thing for childless, child-free women mm-hmm. in Giving, giving the whole issue some publicity and it went remarkably well the shoot we both had a good laugh and got it done mm-hmm. very quickly <laughs> yeah yeah awesome yeah all the I mean all the such a good concept such a simple concept having everybody in the same pose on their bedspread it just um for those who haven't seen the book um all the women brought brought their own bedspreads from their home to lie on and in the um in the fetal position um and yeah it's just such a simple concept just works really really well um so yeah it's such a such a beautiful book I think she's done very very well with it and um so yeah I'm really excited to talk to you about your experience of being a childless woman I think what the book itself just demonstrate that everybody's got a different story um so I just thought would you be able to just share a little bit that with us please Yes, of course. For me, it's been a difficult journey being child free. I've always wanted children. And it's interesting that you've opened by talking about lying in the fetal position. And Mm -hmm. I chose a red silk bedspread Mm -hmm. because one thing that was hopeful to me was the concept of rebirth. And the Neolithics used to be buried covered in red ochre 
facing towards the sun in hope mm-hmm. of rebirth. And I think for me, the only way to get through the childless situation was to leave behind an old me and go to something completely different. But of course, that was a bit of a process. Yes, that's that's a personal process that you've been through. And so you 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 spoke a little bit there, um, but can you just elaborate a little bit more about that? Because I think you use it in your performance and as a storyteller, don't you? Yes, I think the first time I used it was in a show called Baba Yaga and the Virgin. And the Virgin was the Virgin of Guadeloupe. And I was dressed in blue with a pregnancy bump. It really was very authentic. And as the show progressed, I took things out of the bump until it clearly uh, became evident that I wasn't actually pregnant. It was just full of stories, that bump. So that was the first the first uh, foray into thinking about rebirth. And then I did another show called Buddha Babies because I found in a book called Journey to the West, which if any was, anybody was around in the 70s, they'd know better as mm-hmm. Monkey. A figure in the introduction of a meditating man with a baby doll strapped to his abdomen. And the idea in Buddhist philosophy is that you're continually trying to reach a primal state, a primordial state of innocence and purity. And that state is a state of rebirth. Mm -hmm. So that show, instead of taking (laughs) objects out of the bump and telling stories, I told different stories to go with each chakra because the idea in the book was that you take the energy up and are reborn. But of course, Mm -hmm. this this is never a permanent state. And I'm very interested in goddess mythology. And the old idea of virgin was that you were, as a goddess type female or, you know, imbibing the philosophy of goddesses, you were continually giving birth to yourself. So it's mm-hmm. nothing about the perforation of the hymen and all to do with the fact that we as women are capable of renewing ourselves in the fountain of life on a moment by moment basis. Yeah, beautiful. And the people who were coming to see your show, did they totally understand the concept? Did they or did they understand um, the story behind that, your own personal story and the, the concept behind that? The shows are more comedy than right. tragedy. So I don't think mm. some of them might have got it, but I don't think mm. they really cared. I Hopefully it was a good night. <laughs> but like all art, it probably benefits the artist more mm-hmm. than anyone because you're meditating on these concepts. And I think yeah. the same with Denise's book. It's, it's a question of giving this this difficult thing for me anyway airtime mm-hmm. yeah totally and as it brought up any interesting conversations since then um since you've been in the book any different kinds of conversations with friends and family <laughs> well, it was funny somebody said actually I've just done a, a really lovely festival with 18 hours Hastings storytelling festival and I was chatting to them before and they said um well, you've got your portrait up in uh, Brighton then, haven't you? And I said, have I? And they said, yes, you know, without any clothes on. <laughs> and then I twigged what they were talking about, you know, because I, I sort of saw it as, as so much to do with a whole group effort. I'd totally forgotten that there I was. It, the naked thing hadn't really come into it. But I, I love getting back to Denise's book. I think the idea of having women naked, naked is always a state of innocence. Yes. Um, and that we have to keep approaching this subject yeah. with, a, with, I suppose, a, an empty mind, an open heart and, and trying to connect with people. And I think that's what you were asking, weren't you? About mm. Conversations. And sometimes yeah. they can be difficult if somebody says to you, have you got children? 
Mm. <laughs> and then it depends on what mood you're in. Someday you might go, no, no, you know. And I know from from reading your entry in Denise's book that you, you were far too busy having having a really brilliant time. Having a good time, yeah. And, and, like, and time just goes so quickly. <laughs> it did for me. Well, not so quickly, but you know, before you know it, you're like, oh, I'm in my forties now. <laughs> Should have, yeah. So it's just kind of happened just circumstances and my life just being a lot of fun yeah so didn't really give it too much attention really um but it's interesting you were saying about people saying they'd spotted you because I was in the in the in the newspaper I mean I think it was much oh um the guardian it was so my auntie saw the article <laughs> <laughs> and she was like you're naked in the guardian and I was like I'm naked in the Guardian. It took me a while to think. I was like, oh, yes, of course. Of course I'm naked in the Guardian. Why not? But I thought, what a great way to be naked in a newspaper or or anything, really, like um, talking about something, such a good, good subject. And and for it to be such an, like, we don't see many pictures of people in a, um, naked anymore really not in an innocent way so I think that in itself is is really lovely to be able to just see the women's form um talking about something else apart from what you look like yeah <laughs> so that, that's yeah so that that was a refreshing uh change there so you've used your you've used your experience as a childless woman in your in your art and in your performances um do you see that something that you you're going to continue with are you is it something that you're happy to keep working with or how do you feel about that I don't think so I think there comes a time to leave a concept behind unfortunately working with Buddhist philosophies goddess energies I think I'm on on the way to being on the other side. And really what interests me now is the idea of the divine feminine um, or just the archetypal feminine and, and how we can be the best women that we can be, whatever circumstances mm-hmm. we have. Because this life, as the pandemic shows us, is brief um, and hopefully mm-hmm. beautiful. So, you know, although you do have to go, I did have to do a descent, as it were, and one of the famous goddesses is Inanna and she goes into the darkness um, and mm-hmm. each time she goes down a level, she goes through seven doors, she loses something. And I think at the end, she ends up totally naked just before she dies. And it goes back to Denise's idea that, you know, if you make yourself naked and vulnerable and go, oh, this situation is horrible. I really wanted children. I'm really upset. And going back to conversations, sometimes I've said, no, I don't have children and it doesn't feel good. <laughs> and I've really gone down into the depths and actually other women often in conversation have lifted me up and I'm mm. saying to one woman no I don't have children and, and it's it's it'll be an enduring sadness and she didn't say anything she mm. looked at me and and I could see that her thinking this is the very worst thing I can imagine could have happened to a woman and I am speechless and that was brilliant for me because that was that was pure empathy and it was Mm. interchanges like that working on goddess material doing shows having a laugh about it that uh yeah have made me realize Mm. wonderful (laughs) um denise um took a group of um 16 to 18 year olds i believe they were from one of the colleges in brighton she took them to see the exhibition and some of them left um, feedback, which I'm going to read out throughout the podcast. Mm. Uh, but what was really um, interesting was like, or what I t- 
took from that was how amazing for that conversation to be had um at that age amongst yeah. there was there was girls and boys who went to see the exhibition and they were f- most of the comments were all like wow it's so good you know such an, an eye-opener to to see so and hear so many different stories um so do you think this might be the start of helping towards change the taboo around the issue of childlessness like just getting the conversation out there and just just changing people's perspectives a little bit around it oh wow yeah I think absolutely absolutely Melanie and I think that's that's the victory of this book mum's not the word and also that it's a complex issue for some people it's fine for some people it's going to be fine it's not yet and I know I think it's Naomi in the book says that she's learning to live not with motherhood but otherhood um and whether it's good or whether it's bad it Mm -hmm. is different um yeah and it does it we we need to remove the taboo like you say and the shame Mm. around it because I think the shame is age old yeah Uh, in in other cultures and in earlier times the worst thing that could happen to a woman is for her not to have a child Mm -hmm. we are Mm -hmm. we are removed from that and I think as a child of the 60s and 70s um the emphasis is, was on being a woman and getting everything and delaying childbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think people need to be made, well, young women need to be made aware of their choices, but that their yes. choices are limited. That, yes, you can have a great career and pursue it till you're 40, but you're really, you know, putting yourself at risk if you do want children. Yes, you could be worried about the environment and... Mm-hmm. And, you know, in in your early teens, that might seem a really good thing. But when you hit mm. menopause and you actually can't have a child. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, if you go back to someone like Shakespeare, he was always talking about, you know, you must. I think in the sonnets, he's talking to his beloved and he's saying things like, you know, you must have a child. You must leave an imprint of yourself mm-hmm. to go down through the generations. And, you know, I never really took that on mm. when my mother died yeah. to think... I will never see my mother's face in a child of mm. mine. I'll never see my own face. And that's a primal urge. So you need to, yes. uh, you know, as a teenager, to have all these women that Denise shows with all these views, some people are very mm. happy about it, some in deep grief, it, it will inform their decision um, yeah. in the long term, not just as, yes. you know, because you've got to think about it in the long term. It is something that you do, if you, something that you, it has to be considered for sure, um, rather than leaving it too late, I think, for sure. But I think what I really kind of try to promote um, is for people to just enjoy that, enjoy life, like whether or not you have children or not, like how much joy do you want to bring to your own life? And it's a lot easier to cope with things that you don't have <laughs> if you're having a good time, you're having a good life. And the, the idea of being joyful and having fun can often seem quite immature or childish in a way. Like, you know, life is serious and it has to be serious. And it's like, I think just having that kind of mentality can enable you to just kind of just live your life. I think that's how I kind of got through through it. And that's how I... I'm in this situation now not feeling too depressed about it because I have a really good life and it's there's lots of joy um which you know could be an argument why people may choose to have children because they want to bring joy in their life and play Mm -hmm. and and um 
just to encourage people to do that anyway <laughs> regardless yeah. and then whatever happens happens really in a way yeah yeah no I don't yeah. see it like that <laughs> I know you I, don't we have a big I, I suppose the, way, the reason I don't see it like that is that I think you're quite right we're all responsible for making our own happiness but mm-hmm. if you did want children or if there's any little bit of you that wanted children then you know having a child is a mysterious beautiful thing that the kind of mm. the universe nature god goddess provides you with and you don't mm-hmm. have to do much you give birth to this child i'm not i mean you obviously have to do loads if you're a mother loads of responsibility but as far as the joy and the happiness go that child growing and and developing is going to provide you with limitless kind of opportunities for joy mm-hmm. and suffering obviously that, that mm-hmm. you you haven't really had any 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 hand well obviously you've got to nurture and bring them up um but but if you don't have a child and you did want a child to make up that happiness for yourself becomes mm-hmm. a real practice and it's mm-hmm. a very important practice and it's beneficial yes. practice and it's it's useful but you know you yeah. do have to work at it where yeah it doesn't come easy it's yeah for sure it's all. not to be taken lightly for sure and it's something that comes with effort and like you say as a, as a practice on a day for by sure. day for me it's on a day by yeah. basis mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah for the sure. old Pollyanna count your blessings but but first of all you've you've got to go go into the vo- the mysterious void I suppose and, <laughs> and find your way out if if it was difficult for you Totally, and, and some people it wasn't just that they didn't get round to it they tried so many rounds of IVF or they mm-hmm. didn't, didn't have the right partner um you know, yeah there's lots of different yeah so yeah it's not it's not never simple like we said but I do think you're right yes. you know that is our duty to try and be responsible for our own happiness and enjoy and mm-hmm. squeeze every bit of joy out that you can yeah but it has to be genuine sure. joy. yeah Yes. On a little serious note here, I'm going to be um, interviewing or speaking to somebody in a bit about from Population Matters. Mm. Um, I know uh, David Attenborough is the, the patron um, of the organisation and um, is kind of famously known for speaking out about the environment and how um, how we can kind of resolve the issues of the environment if we had fewer people and I'm a bit of I've got mixed feelings about this to be honest with you I was wondering what what's your opinion on that well two things without question that sounds like a good idea but it also sounds like an idea from the head um it is a man saying it who I believe has (laughs) his own children I you know he is saint David obviously um Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, no, maybe only maybe limit the amount of children that you have uh, mm-hmm. if, if you, you feel that way. But I don't think people think like that. I think there, yes, we need to look after the environment. The environment is a mother. Uh, you know, looking after the environment can very much fill the gap if you haven't had children. Mm-hmm. Continually thinking that the great mother is the earth herself and to plant a seed mm-hmm. is having a child. But I don't think it would work for me to tell people not to have children because that would be like Mm -hmm. saying oh I don't know don't do something really instinctive like eat it's a primal urge (laughs) people want people Mm. people want to have children they want to have sex for a start it's hormonal Um, Mm yeah and interestingly I think that now I'm through the menopause I've kind of 
that was that made you realize okay forget it now you can't have children and that that helped me put it down but when I was hormonal mm. nothing could have mm. nobody talking about the environment or you know I, I think yes. that's a dangerous tack to go down if it, you're on the childless issue um, yes unless yes. you know you, it's, sure. it's coming from your gut and then that's fine but if it's from your head mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I find it an interesting um, reason to not have it. I can understand on a on a global thing of like people maybe having less, but for for someone to decide that's the reason why I'm sure there's other factors that come into it why they decide not to. Maybe that's just one of them, uh, one of many maybe. Um, but like you say, yes, if you're if you're hormonal, hormonal. Um, it's yeah, a different uh, conversation to be had, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like what? Let me think. No, yes. not going to go there. I'm going to have children. Not going to have sex. Not going. To... Yeah, no, no. I know that I'm just being deceived. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm so grateful for this conversation. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, but it's it's so great, Melanie, that you're making this podcast and extending the reach of this fabulous book. So I'm I'm delighted mm-hmm. to have been inter- interviewed by you. So thank you very much. Thank you, thank you very much. And um, yeah, good luck with everything. And I'll um, keep me in the loop of all these um, things that you've got going on. You you mentioned before about a goddess festival next year yes. in in Worthing. Uh, no, it? it's in Hastings. Hastings Festival and we've just sort of had a mini one which will be up online on the Hastings Storytelling Festival website with a goddess in the kitchen and conversation with guests and there are environmentalists and artists and singers amongst the guests as well. Lovely. Excellent well thank you very much and um, I'll uh, look forward to connecting with you again. Yes thanks a million Melanie. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Here are a couple of comments from the students from Rygate School of Art. I think the gallery is a good way to show women that not having children is okay and shows that every individual has their own way of being unique. I think it's very inspirational and very interesting. It's something I've never really thought about from other people's point of view, but it's made me very aware that not having children is perfectly fine. I'd like to introduce our second guest. That's Kat Dixon. She's a campaigner for the environmental charity Population Matters and child free by choice. Kat is an environmentalist and a fervent supporter of women's rights and empowerment. She believes that every woman should have reproductive choice and be able to decide if, not when, they will have children. Hi Melanie. Hi there, thank you for joining me today on Mums Not The Word podcast. Um, you're here today to talk to us about your experience being a child-free woman. Um, can you tell me and the listeners um, 
your experience and how you got to to being a, a child-free woman? Um, okay, so I'm a child-free um, woman by choice. Um, I decided from quite a young age that I probably wouldn't have children. So it was a fairly easy decision um, for me um, because I'd never really had a maternal draw and um, I sort of grew up in a small family myself so it seemed quite normal Um, so I didn't get much pressure from other relatives to have children either which um, some people do face. Um, So yeah my parents were quite well educated with good careers and my mother didn't have me until she was the age that I am which is 35 so a bit older Mm -hmm. Um, but um yeah when I got older myself I obviously became more aware of some of the issues we face today as well and Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. um, poverty and climate change and biodiversity loss and Mm -hmm. um, I realized that we um had a responsibility um to protect the planet and we were kind of causing a lot of these issues so that helped reinforce my decision when I was older Mm -hmm. Um, so but my experience I mean obviously it's a decision for some people that can be quite difficult Mm -hmm. and some people aren't able to conceive so it's still quite a sensitive topic but yes it was a fairly for you 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 knew from an early age and Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you actually um about the fact that you're now the age your your mum was when you (laughs) she had you so there was no like "Mm, maybe I'll change my mind when I get to 35 (laughs) um not really I'm not necessarily in the position to anyone I'm not um I mean I do have a partner but um he doesn't really want children either and Mm -hmm. I know I don't know. I never really thought I would change my mind, and I never yeah. really have. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes the decision a lot easier, isn't it? If you also have a partner who also is in the feels the same way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you so you work for Population Matters. Mm-hmm. So um, which um, you know, going by your experiences and your your um, own personal um, experience of being a child free woman, mm-hmm. must make that a, a little bit easier um, to be in that role. Um, so um, I read somewhere about the by twenty thirty, um, mm-hmm. the UN would like um, so everyone in the planet to have a a, a decent a decent life and to be mm-hmm. um, and for the planet to be able to kind of I guess cope with the amount of people that we have on there um how do you what what's your thoughts on that how do you think we're we're doing with that um well um so, well, <laughs> um it's, it's a difficult question um, yeah. it's kind of it is kind of related to um as well the UN has a number of sustainable development goals which we are due to be missed at the moment um, well, we, we're we're missing the achievement of them, um, mm. and um, they all have um, barriers and drivers. And one of those goals is obviously like a good quality of life, um, um, reducing inequalities. Um, but they all have barriers. But the the unsustainable population growth at the moment is one of the reasons why we're not going to achieve most of those goals. So mm-hmm. um, it's not the only reason, but it is. A significant reason that not everyone is willing to discuss because obviously it's quite a sensitive topic with mm-hmm. um, 
some history of some not very nice um, population control measures. Um, mm-hmm. uh, population matters. We believe that there are a number of um, ethical and empowering solutions to mm-hmm. reducing population growth. And and it, the, the fact is that the more of us there are, the more we um, the more land we use, the more habitats we destroy, mm-hmm. the more we consume, um, the less likely it is that we are able to, um, you, um, uh, like, sustain this growing population and, but also protect the planet at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. We believe that there are um, empowering and ethical um, solutions yeah to achieve this um good quality of life for all because that's what it is about really about quality good mm-hmm. quality of life yeah mm-hmm. some some may um argue um regarding the the kind of distribution of um mm-hmm. like produce and things like that and the, the amount of things that go to waste mm-hmm. and kind of the imbalance of of um, for example um the amount of waste we have in the uk compared to um a country in in Africa, which has probably um, got used a lot less resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how would you? What do you feel about that? Um, it's true that um, the people in countries like the UK, which we call the global north, ha- um, consume far far more than the global south, um, and that it does include waste, of course. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's why it's important, even though. Um, the UK has a smaller, uh, lower um, fertility rate, a number mm-hmm. of births. We still need to choose um, smaller families as well as looking at our consumption and our way of life and how much mm-hmm. we waste. It's a balance in the global north um, mm-hmm. in that respect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so what do you think? Um, I mean, the mum's not the word is, has been a really successful way <laughs> of um, of highlighting um, the different women who choose not to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, how would you? What could be another way of doing that, like in a creative way, to the rest of the rest of the world? How could we get that message out there in in a creative? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can think of any creative ideas off the top of my head, but um, <laughs> or maybe I, not I creative, think... but maybe ways that are, are um... yeah, yeah, just different ways, I guess. Well, not... I, I I think for me, the focus is on the messaging, and um, mm-hmm. it's it's all about um, uh, choice. And in the UK, I'm lucky to be in a position where I can choose um, Mm -hmm. what I want to do. And it's not, even in the UK, there's still um, people that can't necessarily choose and there's not equal access to services. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a privilege in our country to have that somewhat of a choice. Um, So for me, it's all about promoting this message of choice and different life options to children children, to women and um to also um um empower women and make make them feel able to make the choice and change the narrative because it shouldn't necessarily be about it um when you're going to have children it should be if you're going to have children yes totally and I feel like we have come a long way in the last Mm -hmm. kind of generation I know for you know like 10 years ago I would have been asked maybe you know a lot more 
about um, when am I going to have children and do I have children and this kind of presumption that mm. it was everyone's, every woman's desire to have children. So I do feel, feel like we've come a long way actually here. And I was mm-hmm. in Sierra Leone at the beginning of the year and everybody was shocked that I didn't have a child and <laughs> so much so that my auntie was like if you want a child I will look after it for you <laughs> and I was like that's mm. not why I'm not having a child because I've got no one to look after it um but it just yeah so the the there's obviously places in the world but obviously they've got a different mentality and mm-hmm. um like you just said about the choice isn't isn't um there as much or it's not spoken about so I guess it's just that kind of everywhere's at different stages aren't they in the world and like the conversations are different um about what a woman's role is still yeah um it it has um moved along quite a lot in the global north I, I don't think we're quite um there yet but it's definitely progressed in the global north um um, but yeah, in, in other countries, it's it all it's all tied into um, education, healthcare, um, gender equality, and mm-hmm. women's empowerment. And mm-hmm. um, in some countries, because we have partnerships in different countries, um, like Kenya, they are actually quite aware of the issues, and and many of them do want to have less children. It's just mm-hmm. that they necessarily they don't necessarily have the um, infrastructure or the ability to do that yet so it's not that um, they don't necessarily want to have um, more um, children Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. it's it's just this balancing act of all the different things that come into play and uh, but yeah I I guess there's there's still more of a um, issue with the narrative in some countries more than others yeah yeah so I think the message there really is that the more women are empowered around the Mm. world Mm -hmm. and the more they have access to information and and making Mm -hmm. decisions then that that is then that leaves it for them to make that choice doesn't it then so it's all about all about choice yeah choice and empowerment and having Mm -hmm. the um infrastructure in place so the mm-hmm. healthcare and the education and access to contraception which is why when I said earlier you know all of the solutions to achieving the SDGs they are all interlinked and, and normally when all these bits are in place women choose to have smaller families anyway like the evidence shows when they have more education that they will choose to have smaller families and that that helps economic security and helps mm-hmm. <clears throat> lift people out of poverty and so it's all interlinked, um, but we do need to have all those parts in place. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Great. And do you find, um, going back to your your, your personal story, mm-hmm. um, do you find um, not having children as I've given you, it gives you more freedom? Do you, do you enjoy the benefits that you get from um, not having children? Um, I I guess so because I can't really say because I do I don't have the experience of having them. Um, but um, yeah, you can see obviously some some families can can struggle if they have children. Um, certainly, but then it comes it's that old adage that um some people say oh, if you're if you don't have children you're you're selfish. But but actually um. 
um, because you're just thinking about your yourself and your free time, etc. But mm. actually, a lot of people that have chosen not to have children have spent quite a long time thinking about it. Yeah. And um, so it's not yeah. And also, yeah. a yeah. lot of us still can enjoy spending time with children in other ways and giving yeah. to children. Yeah, that's a massive um, kind of conversation that I've been having amongst other um, child-free women at the moment mm-hmm. about the role of being, um, you know, an, an auntie or, you know, just not by, not necessarily just by blood, but to, to their friends, children, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the in, how important it is for children to see um, adults um, who are, free and they've got that different maybe they have more energy for their for children at that that moment in time if they don't have their own children um but also as as other as a positive role models in their life so Mm -hmm. um there is different ways to be uh nurturing nurturing and and uh, i don't want to say mothering because you don't have to be a mother (laughs) to be nurturing but to be um to be a positive influence um yeah yeah. Again, it's about changing the narrative, realizing there's <clears throat> there's lots of different options available. Just like it doesn't have to be um, heterosexual couplings. You know, mm-hmm. there's more. Um, it's about widening perspectives and mm-hmm. and not being so prescriptive about one's own life and life yeah. journey and yeah. things like that. And for me, it just feels like part of part of the next kind of like. Um, round of being a human and, and now we're progressing like you just said about the different sexual orientation and the more people are becoming more um non-binary and mm-hmm. kind of like this idea of this like nuclear family and um it just opens up to so many possibilities i i think it's um i think it's great like just the, the, yeah. there's so many different options um it's not just this one way um, which mm-hmm. I always struggled with personally as growing up was like is that the mm-hmm. only option to get married and have kids it's like really it's like yeah me too <laughs> there must be more options um yeah so I think it's great that there is there are we're beginning to open our minds a little bit more into different ways of becoming a grown-up and having a, a an adult life yeah uh, but yeah but it's not so interrupted and um, but it's the same time it, that's not to pass judgment on those people that do want a more normal and um, marriaging kids and husband the whole point is obviously this idea of choice and it yeah. should be everyone's personal decision yeah. Um, not, yeah yeah not at all yeah I I get a lot of I get I personally gain a lot from my friends who've got who've got a husband and our wife and children mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> exactly. a lot out of those relationships and gain a lot mm-hmm. so it's like yeah definitely it's there's mm-hmm. it's good that there's a there's a nice mixture of people mm-hmm. in the world so I think it's it's something to be celebrated um and yeah I think it's great so yeah, yeah wonderful is there anything else you'd like to share with us um no, I think we've covered most things. <laughs> it's a very interesting conversation. We could talk all day about I know, it. Really. Yeah, um, it's just, yeah, there's so much to to say about it. And I think what is yeah. really wonderful, um, part of the exhibition um, that Denise mm. had in Brighton, she took some students down there and mm. they saw the exhibition and left some feedback. 
and what is it? it's just I think it's really lovely for young people to see yes. to see that and to and to read about um different women's experiences um of being childless and child free and some of the comments that they left were like oh what you know there's so many different reasons why women are in that position and not to not to judge like mm-hmm. so that felt like exactly yeah yeah we shouldn't always presume um the reasons behind mm-hmm. people's decisions uh, yeah. but we should be open to the fact that that you know we have the well in this country we should have the right to make our own choices and mm-hmm. um it's good for these for the children yeah to see those different different possibilities and makes them perhaps feel less alone if they are thinking that they're not sure about having children mm-hmm. yeah or worried yeah. about them. Yeah, just to see that there are options and mm-hmm. that there, yeah, there are many um, people out there doing the same thing. And I think that's what's good to see, see yourself yeah, um, exactly. in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah, it is. Well, it's been lovely speaking to you today. Thank you for joining yeah, me, Kat. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> Here are a couple of more comments from the students of Rygate School of Art. The work was very interesting as each had a different story behind the image. However, it seems unfair that the women that couldn't have children wanted them and that the women that could didn't. It has an emotive connection that makes you think if only they could swap places. A really interesting take on the subject, very unique and allows people who don't want to have kids be more open about it and not feel ashamed. I'd like to introduce you to our next guest, which is Kit. Kit works mostly with fractured narrative, exploring queer lives and presence. They have performed at Brighton Fringe for the past three festivals, along with Evoke at the Marlborough and appearing at the Peripheral Visionaries launch. thank you for joining me today um, on the interview for Mums Not The Word podcast. I've got the book open here, the Mums Not The Word book, and here we have you here on page 84. Um, I love this um, quote from you because it's it's very to the point. Um, I'm just going to read it out for the listeners. And you've just put, there are so many reasons why I chose not to be a mother that it would be more like trying to find a reason to have a child. The end. I like that, to the point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Lily. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, especially in the years intervening since I participated in, in the project. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, reflecting back on on that statement um how does that how do you sit with that now do you do you feel still feel the same absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've had a, I had a near miss with uh having children 
Um, mm-hmm. I was married. I was in a same-sex marriage and I was, yeah, um, we were thinking about having children and it was really, it was very much, when I look back, looking, um, it's interesting, I would have, oh my God, I would have, (laughs) <laughs> a, a 14 year old in tow oh my god just thinking mm. she was actually no they'd be 19 by now so thankfully i would have packed them off to university <laughs> but um it was it was a it was a close one thing uh mm. and what, mm. what stopped us was me saying you know my my then partner had a had a chronic physical illness we'd done a trip from Brighton to an island in Scotland and I invited her to replay the journey with two mm-hmm. children with two right. little, little, little tiny children well, you have so to you did have you did a test run well it was that like <laughs> everything that you need to take for a child completely outweighs the the mass of the child itself it was so it was like let's Mm. let's do this again let's have a little thing that needed to be occupied let's let's have all of the things that needed to and you know it was kind of a little bit pragmatic about it but it was sort of it was also a gentler way of saying we are in no shape to be parents Mm. (laughs) we are in no shape to be parents and um before I participated in the project, I did say to people that I respect childhood far too much to mm-hmm. have of my own. Yeah, it is a, a, a very big responsibility, as we know. So you did. So you did that journey, and after that, you were like, "No." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Got yeah. the smile and treatment. Hell's bells. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm used to the smile treatment, uh, but it was kind of like we don't. It's not that little life. It's not the burden mm-hmm. of that little life to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. It's not the burden mm-hmm. of the little life for you to feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. not fair. That's not right for me. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. You know, I have quite have um, quite pref- or um, enduring mental health issues. Whether it's they're whether they're profound or not, I guess is down mm-hmm. to other people. Um, I. I would have affected a young life and I wouldn't have known better earlier Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the realms of child rearing. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have. And indeed I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what I know about myself now had I had children or maybe I would have found it out later. Mm -hmm. And that's from being, um, having a correct diagnosis for Mm -hmm. my mental health now Mm -hmm. And being trans, which my voice betrays, mm-hmm. um, I am female to male in social. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. none of this would have happened if if there were children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. kind of, you know. So this is kind of that illustration. It's sort of economically, me and my then wife were in no state to have children. We were in mm-hmm. no mental state to have children. We were in. Well, she wasn't in any physical state to have mm-hmm. children. Mm. None of those reasons were good enough to sort of go, ah, oh, but it'll be lovely, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't believe in the schooling system here in England, having having worked in 
um, adult education and and having been in the voluntary sector as well around education and mental health support. Mm-hmm. The system doesn't do well by children. It doesn't teach them the necessary skills of maths and English and also mm-hmm. just critical thinking, like common sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess it would have led to probably being homeschooled or different, an alternative um, way of educating your your children and it's going back a little bit to what you said a, a moment ago about um, not becoming the person you are today if you had have children and it just reminds me of a conversation I had with someone a, a, the other day about saying how we do we have got that kind of um, we are allowed to grow if you haven't got a children in a different way in a, in a certain sense being a being a woman um and obviously we, there's a time in our lives when we can't have children anymore because we go through the menopause um unlike men who can just keep having children forever for, until whenever um it seems a little bit unfair in a way like um that choice is taken away from women because i'm at the age now where it's very very unlikely that i'm gonna be able to have children but i feel a little bit like oh i'm probably probably mentally sound and in a good position to have children now you know I'm like I've done the work I've done all the work I've kind of like I've got a really good friendship group around me and I feel like I could could give that child a really good life I know there's other ways of being a mother so it doesn't necessarily mean I I could go and adopt but it just feels a bit unfair (laughs) like you know if I was a man I could have done all the work and be 50 and go right I'm I'm ready now (laughs) I know, but you wouldn't have done the extra work. I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel people who with with vaginas and and estrogen. No, I think it's a get out of jail card. I sort of think, <laughs> you know, um, men who are born as male, people mm-hmm. who are born male don't live a lifetime of cycles. Mm. Don't lifetime of your body almost being hostage to biology. Mm-hmm biological process you know that Mm -hmm. in my case just you know for three days every month I would just be laid low in pain Mm -hmm. in just no this isn't no and it's sort of I mean so I kind of I guess I see it as an opposite thing it's like whoa Mm. okay I'm off the roller coaster yeehaw yeah yeah um (laughs) <laughs> and it's sort of, you know, it's some, um, and just the whole idea of actually carrying a child mm-hmm. um, is is hard work, you know. So, uh, which which makes being trans a sort of a little bit of a rich pudding, to be honest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because the men, the men folk, um have history is engineered um well there's a lot of history that hangs off the end of a penis you know and it's always mm-hmm. been engineered towards those that do the actual procreating um aren't given any of the support in society that that kind of they should have mm-hmm. because you know growing a little human being is isn't easy is hard work mm-hmm. on your body Mm-hmm. to start with. and then you stop sleeping and then 
uh, of all people, Barack Obama put it so beautifully, mm-hmm. your heart lives outside of your body. Mm. When you have, your yeah. heart lives outside of your body. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Well, you know, that just said, oh, damn you, Barack, my God. You're not <laughs> anymore. Shut up. <laughs> um, but it was so good it was, and it was so, so true. And it's sort of, so when you think about that, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you sort of extrapolate that sentiment, you know, how many people live their lives through their children? How many people yeah. sort of d- desire fulfillment by by setting somebody else's life up, you know? I totally. mean, mm, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm, mm, I'm always lovely with other people's children. My life journey has made me much better to be around other people's kids and be the person that the kids are like, hey, they're fun. Yeah, I feel the same. Like I've got a lot of friends who've got young children and I think they look at me and go, she's an adult, but she's not a normal adult. Don't quite figure it out. (laughs) You're definitely a grown up, but I'm not like but you're not the same as the others. <laughs> and they love it. They can, they can tell they're a bit confused, but they kind of, you know, obviously they really like that. And it is such a great thing to have, like, different, especially, yeah, women around that off of, whatever, non-binary, whatever, grown-ups around adult uh, children who can bring a different energy. Yes. And, yeah, I think it's really, really important and yes. I guess that comes back to comes to the question of like the role that society still, despite all of that, we still it still feels like it's very still much governed um, around women still to this day having children like do being mothers. Do you still feel that there's that pressure there? There is, if you if you are in possession of a vagina, you are always going to feel the pressure of birth. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is the shocking conclusion that I've come to. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I kind of thought when I, you know, my life's journey through the rainbow um, was never a get out of jail card with having kids. That wasn't an excuse at all, mm-hmm. and particularly now being trans that's really not an excuse mm-hmm. not have children mm-hmm. uh, i've been there's a great film called seahorse mm-hmm. and called seahorse because male seahorses carry the children yes i love that <laughs> it's great isn't it great i mean I don't it's really only, is it the only animal that carries that the male carry the children i think it is isn't it well, male penguins, oh. um, they take turns. They look after they look after the egg, don't they? They, they do. Yes. So they kind of like waddle along with it and keep it warm and all yes. of this kind of thing. Yeah. So they they do they don't so they don't carry the child per se, but mm-hmm. they actually participate. Because I guess being in an egg is a kind of pregnancy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean if I could if I could have done that, if I could have popped an egg and kept it warm, I would have done that. Maybe. If you were a penguin, you would have done yeah. that. Penguin. Yeah, if I was a penguin, goats <laughs> would have done that. Or, or gone, a seahorse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. It's really interesting to me, this imperative, like if you have a vagina, use it. Yeah. So you were going to tell me about this film, Seahorse. Or seahorse. documentary, yeah. 
Uh, absolutely fascinating to me. The last I heard of that that guy was, I think he's English. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be put on the child's birth certificate as its father, mm-hmm. not as the child's mother. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be that's going to set both parent and child up for really odd discussions later mm. down the line. Mm. So, so give me a little bit of the a backstory there of, of the of this film. They just it basically to a relationship of two trans men. They decided they wanted to have a family, mm-hmm. make a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some other of an of another couple of trans men who same have decided to make a family Mm -hmm. and one it was really interesting one is on the the one who birthed in so the couple that aren't in the film Mm -hmm. in real life they one is on hormones stopped and birthed the other one has only just the other father has only just started hormones right but has gone through all the other medical sort of procedures to deal with dysphoria and it's amazing to me because one of the things that the filmmaker said about because this filmmaker followed this young man about mm-hmm. um, during conception during pregnancy and indeed during the birth and I read some media where she said this was the first time she witnessed birth not being miraculous but acutely uncomfortable and painful mm. There was it, it triggered mm-hmm. significant dysphoria right. for the person carrying the child. Right. I often wonder how they cope with it because I, I have a very low threshold towards my own dysphoria. You mm-hmm. know, under lockdown, I spent a lot of time in, in leisure wear, mm-hmm. uh, very comfortable, but I've put on weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not moving about as much as I used to. So I've put on weight and I've got curves and it's like, no, mm-hmm. no, we're not doing any of those. No. Oh dear. No. <laughs> no. Yes. So it, so it must be quite, um, it must, yeah, it must really be a strange thing to, to go through, going through a pe- pregnancy um, as a male. Cause I, I guess you, you know, if you're in that, state of mind in that body you're not identifying with being a woman no so yeah very so interesting it's really interesting because then the process of birth and procreation becomes something that's not confined to a gender and i'm not going to get down in mm. i'm not going to go into the needs of that uh philosophy because that's very contentious mm-hmm. and you know, I don't want to be getting into erasure and I don't want you to be having people going, what in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, but this is part not of the conversation. It's 2020. I have a vagina too. And frankly, <laughs> I, it bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> frankly, um, it's, it's really amazing to me. Like I could be on testosterone for seven like okay so my age now mm-hmm. thankfully like it's all done and dusted mm-hmm. um the last hurrah has occurred no more babies for me mm-hmm. and in a i mean for me that's great because when i start my medical transition i don't have anything to fight past mm-hmm. so you know pinocchio's going to be a real live boy a lot faster 
you know. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of, you know, this thing, it's it's like a bomb shelter. It's the most robust piece of anatomy <laughs> other than heart. Other than you what, know? sorry? Other than a heart. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Life. Mm-hmm. Your heart. When your brain, so your brain and your heart and your skin mm-hmm. could an organ so I've got these are very important organs but I can be on testosterone for seven years I think mm-hmm. before he begins right. and then there's a whole bunch of processes that goes on around that but I can actually stop taking my hormones and become fertile in two months mm. that's that's like yeah. that's bomb-proof yeah, to me bomb-proof. That's like, <laughs> yeah. are you serious to me yeah. I can what yeah. You know, yeah. this is kind of like, you know, it's indestructible. Yeah. It's and that's kind of something and, I hope people are aware of, because <laughs> that could be quite a, a surprise, couldn't it? Yeah, I think I think we were discussing yeah. that the other day when um, we were speaking about going through the menopause and how women can get also become pregnant in the menopause because their bodies release a huge amount of estrogen at some point (laughs) during that during the early stages of menopause and you know you could be just happily having a nice time with your partner (laughs) thinking that's it now and um, find yourself pregnant so um lo and behold absolutely there and that's happened to trans men as well yeah Yeah. Mm. On the hormones, la la la, living with my testosterone, and no, not really, because look, it's a baby, so it's really um, mm. it's it's kind of it's it's almost like the Borg resistance is futile. Mm-hmm. I think people who don't understand what it is to be to be allocated this equipment, you know, coming up and saying you're selfish, you're this, you're that, which that's just, or you haven't re- met the right man. Mm-hmm. Up or, you know, I mean, I, yeah, it takes a village. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. it, it does take people to raise a child. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, two people. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it takes more people. But it's kind of, you know, to say that we're selfish, it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to be filling a landfill full of nappies. Thank you. Yeah, well, just I, I think that that saying that is, I mean, the only person I could imagine it coming coming out of somebody's mouth and it actually making sense, or not really, but is somebody who wants desperately to be a grandparent and they feel like they've got that taken away from them. Um, yes. And I kind of get that in a way. I understand um, how lots of parents are really looking forward to becoming grandparents because being a grandparent, I guess, is a little bit more fun than being a parent. Um, but yeah. to come from anybody else, um, I just don't understand that because most people I've spoken to about not having children, they've taken, they've thought about it. They've actually thought long and hard. And it's something that you have to keep coming back to. It's not once you've made up your mind, that's it. I don't, you know... It's not like choosing, deciding to become vegan and then you decided and that's that. You have to keep revisiting it every, so what, whenever, you know, like, is this still what I want? Is this the right decision? Mm, am I going to regret it? You just have to keep Absolutely. coming back to it. So it's no, not something that people it take lightly at all. Yeah. No, no, because you nagging thing in your body going, yeah. use me. <laughs> That one over there, that one's good. Go and, no matter where you wake up tomorrow morning, it's fine. Just go over there, get that one. 
they look good. <laughs> that looks good to me. We might be very smart, you know, whatever. It's, it'll either be smart, good looking, or strong. Mm-hmm. Go get them. Yeah. And uh, we'll deal with it, just that one. Great. And uh, great. I, mm. You know, and there's always this, this thinking of, um, I want to have it now. Now is the time. Mm. What about here? What about my this? What about my that? You know, a, a person that's born as female will always have these discussions. Yeah. Well, the one, like if there's an accident, it falls on a, a you know, it falls on a mm-hmm. woman. If there's, um, and I know somebody, you know, where I am now, the email that she's, she's on her second baby. I don't know how long she's been working, but she's on her second baby. And the person who is covering her role is male and he is a rising star in the organization. He's not going anywhere, but Mm -hmm. up, you know, Mm -hmm. and her email to her manager, who's also female was heartbreaking, you know, because of the, the code that she had to use so that her dignity was Mm -hmm. intact but pretty much saying, um, I know this is cutting a big hole in my career. Mm. I know I will come back to find this project finished, that project started mm. up. All that stuff would have happened without her. Her job's already been carved up and been given to other mm. people, men. Mm. It's kind of, you know, which is a very rich pudding. But the language that she had to use, and at the time, I'm not going to lie, I was like, well, hell, nobody put a gun to your head and told you to have this mm. baby. Yeah. Nobody, nobody threatened you. <laughs> you know, nobody made you. And when you're, when you're a person that has not had children, for me, really, what's becoming, what I find bizarre is, is honouring that, that urge. I'm just like, well, you know, why? Mm. We're overpopulated. We don't have enough resource. Animals are dying. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got no more land. We're, we're, we're running out of land to build houses mm-hmm. on. We're running out of industries. We're an aging population. Um, but we are also um, a mechanized population. So I'm going to be looked after by a robot, <laughs> probably. Avoid, like, it's going to be like. Um, it's going to be like Alexa. Mm-hmm. Can you can you please come in and help me get mm-hmm. into bed, please? You know, Alexa, ambulance. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be really yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I did hear something on the news which was quite ridiculous. In the well, it wasn't ridiculous, but the way it was like this. Oh, this kind of like more women are, are choosing to um, be child free, and it's going to cause a huge in twenty thirty years. There's going to be all these elderly women without children to look after them it's just like headline news and uh was like okay <laughs> is that the well, there was a... yeah yeah but that's her nieces i mean you had an auntie and uncle didn't you <laughs> i had aunties and uncles that moved mm-hmm. in with us I'm not above moving back to Australia. Yeah. I mean, that's it. And, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, that's the thing. I think society still still thinks that's, that's how 
we need to still be thinking in, and like rather than be like well we have friends we have fam- family extended family we have yeah we have nephews and other people in our lives that it's not always down to the, the, the children to who look after their parents anyway um it's pretty exciting that we're sort of breaking the back of how society configures itself mm-hmm. that we that we've moved away from family and now we're looking towards yeah. community yeah the writer Alison Maupin coined this phrase, um, your logical family. So you've got your biological family, but you've also got your mm-hmm. logical family. Yeah. And your logical family, yeah, uh, you know, in his case, it's it's all yeah. his queer friends, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I, I kind of like that we are, wherever there's a deviation from the norm, like not having children, we have a really lovely after effect of, but there's there's still another way of doing this, you know, and it's sort of like there's going to be no one to look after them. It's like, that's right. I think what you're saying is the state can't afford us. Mm-hmm. That's what it's saying. That's what it's saying. It's a, that's the panic. It's, it's going to be down to the state. And it's like, well, not necessarily. <laughs> I no, think you're underestimating I'm- us. <laughs> It's really, it's just, but that's that's the human that goes, oh my god, absolute great. I feel comfortable now. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, a freak situation. Insert absolute here. Oh, okay, great. Okay, great. I feel better. You know, mm. mm-hmm. and I I react against the way that you've chosen to live your life because it makes me feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. because you're making me think outside of my absolute, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it's very, yeah, yeah, and it's really, um, I mean, I would have damaged the, the, the person that I gave birth to. They would be, or damage is a strong word, they would be very differently abled in life. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, I would have had to, like, instead of making a university fund, I think I would have had to make a therapy fund. You know, I would have had to spend <laughs> a whole pot of money that I can give to that child and go, here you go. I know you probably wanted a degree mm-hmm. to better your life, but, you know, uh, <laughs> but have this instead that will also better your life, mm-hmm. you know, and and hopefully make up some of the some of the experiences that you've had under my care. Um, From what you've said so far, I think you would have, you would make, well, I say this, I do think you would have made an absolutely amazing parent um, because the way you're so open-minded, your mind is so open. And even the fact that you're thinking that means at least some parents don't even consider that their children might need to go through therapy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like that even itself just shows that you probably would have made um, quite a good mother if you'd have, or parent rather, if you'd have chosen to. But see, not, um, not parenting has freed me up to be this person. So if I had the children, true. it just would have been like, just somebody put me on, or somebody just do anything to know this all has to finish now. No, do you know what I mean? No, 
there is I've sort mm-hmm. of had some I've navigated dark alleys in my life that I would not have that would have just mm-hmm. been so so horrible to have yeah. had a little child. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. it's just wow, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And now, well, the wonderful. Sorry. Well, it was. We, I, that a menopausal body. I forgot what I was going to say. What we? <laughs> sorry, I think I I interrupted you then. So sorry. <laughs> I was just going to mention, um, going back to the book, um, for a moment, and I was just going to bring up the book and just ask you: Do you feel what? Do you feel it's done the positive thing for the conversation around around um, childless, child-free women? Do you feel like? This is a conversation that needs to be had. Yes. Needed to be had. My God, yes. Um, yeah. I I mm-hmm. was bashing around the name with Jimmy back in the day. And like mum's not the word has this lovely sort of duality of, of mum's not the word because we aren't mothers, but also mum's not the word. It's not a secret. It's got to come mm-hmm. out from the shadows, you know, so the word Mm -hmm. this is not a secret Mm -hmm. and I think it's it needs to be normalized definitely Mm -hmm. utterly yeah I think that there are ways to work with work with society's expectations of you and understand what a life can offer you Side of mm-hmm. procreation, you know, mm-hmm. for all mm-hmm. the reasons. And I think it's really important to see human faces. I'm astounded by the people who participated in, in the book. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of grief and there's a lot of pain, you know, and mm-hmm. always yeah. needs to see the light. When we've mm-hmm. the loss of anything, we do it with our friends. We do it collectively and we heal and we move forward. Mm-hmm. So these people who were childless by circumstance have had that grief impacted, you know, mm-hmm. pushed further down because mm-hmm. it's just not okay. Because of the things people say, mm-hmm. well, have you tried this and have you tried that and have you tried the other thing? It's this relentless, there's, there's no let up. And mm-hmm. if if circumstance has taken that choice away from you, that's painful. And you deserve the mm-hmm. you deserve anyone, everyone deserves to grieve in the light of day. Uh, and if you can't if you can't yeah. grieve that, it's really difficult. It's very, very difficult and harmful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Totally. I agree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's been a really great, um, as well as that, I've just um, just seen beautiful images of all these women and what a rarity to actually see um, the naked form and the conversation to not to be about that and to be actually about something that actually is a, a right? very serious yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's been done very beautifully been an honor to be part of it and thank you so much for the 
chatting with me today. It's been so wonderful and insightful. I'm going to look up this film, Seahorse, this documentary. I'm going to look it up. It sounds really fascinating. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You Take too. Care. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye. Here are the last two comments from the students of Rygate School of Art. It inspires me because I also don't want children and it shows me that it's okay to not want kids and that I shouldn't let anyone's view affect me. All the women in the photos are strong and independent and know what they want. I get the impression that the work was done to raise awareness for the cause, that women shouldn't feel pressured to have children and that it's okay not to. I'd like to welcome our final guest, Anu Shukla. She's a London-based freelance journalist who writes about issues around socio-political injustice and music. She's literally just returned from Ibiza, lucky thing, where she wrote a story for The Telegraph about the impact of the new normal on the world's biggest party capital. In these trying times, she's also exploring positive solutions to keeping the arts alive. Hello, Hanu. Hello, Mel. Hello. Welcome to Mums Not The Word podcast. Thank you for joining me today. An Um, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so looking forward to our conversation about your story um, of becoming and and your experiences of being a child-free woman. Um, Can you give us a little bit of information about your your experiences um, so far? Um, Well, I'm quite happy, happy and... um, aligned with my life goals and sole purpose and quite happy being a, a child-free woman in the world. Um, I've often, like everybody else, I've, I've experienced social conditioning <coughs> and, um, excuse me, um, especially growing up as an Asian woman in our culture, it's expected that women are married by a certain age and, um, you know, give birth by a certain point um, everybody wants grandchildren and it's just such a traditional thing to have a family and children in most cultures, not just Asian. Um, and But I think Asians can be a little bit more strict on that. But I come from a family that's quite different. It's not your average Asian family. Uh, we've all been pretty free to do whatever we wanted, although parents have been putting pressure uh, in my younger years. They've kind of given up on it mm-hmm. Um on now but my sister's got a baby so that's fantastic it's nice to give give, you know it's really amazing to have a niece I never thought I could feel like this yeah yeah well it does take the pressure off doesn't it a little bit when um when one of your the siblings um has a child I'm, I'm in a similar situation to you I think we're about the same age and yeah. also I think out of all the people I've interviewed I think we're probably very similar in the sense that we're, we're just very happy with our situation and like you say aligned with our goals and where we want to be and and where we see ourselves in the world absolutely um, great to hear um that your your family's accepted you um and same as my family I think at first they were a little bit like you know clock watching a little bit and then at a certain age were like 
actually your lifestyle <laughs> seems yeah. to suit you you know it's like it would be crazy <laughs> for you to have a child yeah I can hardly look I can just about look after myself <laughs> so I, I mean I've got I've got well, I've got my landlord's cat and that's really great to look after so mm-hmm. I'm happy with, I'm happy as, as far as uh, yeah. as far as that goes so yeah 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 so you, you mentioned about your your uh, niece and you have yeah. a really wonderful uh, connection uh, with your niece do you have any other children around like friend family friends kids yeah I've got friends with kids I mm. um that there, there are um I mean my sister in my immediate family so only my sister's the only one that's had a baby um, and we are five we are five siblings and I'm the eldest so you can imagine the kind of pressure that I was experiencing growing up mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which like I said did kind of with the pressure did wither away eventually um, but uh, yeah no I have a fantastic connection with my l- little niece Nina she's two years old mm-hmm. and I didn't I didn't know that you could feel like this with a child and in, in, in you know I, I never because I haven't experienced motherhood I didn't know what it was like to be an auntie. So it's a very special mm-hmm. experience. And I think it shouldn't yeah. be, you know, it's something that we need to be proud of as well. To be proud mothers, but we can also be proud aunties as well. Definitely. Yeah, I take my role as auntie really, really, really uh, seriously. And yeah. when friends of mine say to me, oh, wow, imagine it must be great having an auntie like you. And I never I never really thought of it like that. And I was just like, <laughs> just, you know, I'm just, I'm just me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah cool, actually. Yeah, I'm, it must be really nice to have an auntie that's, open-minded and a little bit different to what you're used to and can bring Absolutely. a different, different flavour to what life what life can look like um so how do you do you ever do you ever still get any kind of judgment from people and do people ask you often if you've got children I, I think society is changing um it doesn't have those same old-fashioned values it, it might have had maybe even like 10 or 15 years ago I think there's more and more women out there who are happy to be child free and single or or in a couple with with another significant other and without children. I have friends who are in, you know, who are couples and they have made a conscious decision not to have children. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I I think if if you're fortunate to make that that have that make that decision, then. And that's great. But sadly, you know, there are plenty of also plenty of women and we, we need to give respect to our sisters who want to have children but they can't um yeah yeah so you know it's it's not to say you know I can imagine the pain of that but me personally yeah. um I haven't I haven't really had that many, many sort of judgmental um approaches from people mm-hmm. about my status not not too much I think more within the family circuit you know um yeah, yeah. It, but yeah. Ra- rather than outside of it um mm-hmm. and I'm a bit of an adventurous I've spent most of my life doing things independently as a journalist as an as an activist um Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. traveling and stuff so I haven't really always been at home exposed to any kind of pressure Mm -hmm. yeah I do definitely notice depending where you are um different cultures do uh, definitely in the UK I feel that attitudes have changed an awful lot um yeah I've spent a lot of time in India and and in Africa and actually right. both of those places people have been quite surprised and even this year I was in Sierra Leone and and people were shocked that I didn't have children yeah and my auntie yeah. was saying well oh if you want children I'll look after it for you and I was like yeah it's not it's not that I, I haven't had children because I've got no one to look after it I was just it's, 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 a, cho- it's a choice isn't it it's actually you're, you're 
you're right. You just reminded me, actually, like my experience. I spent a year traveling around India and anyone that's been to India will be, will resonate with this because they will always ask you the same questions. Yeah. What is your good name? Mm-hmm. Where are you going? <laughs> are you married? Where yes. do you come from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's always so... like, are you married? You know, it's always a question. Are you married? Yeah. It's it's totally. number one question. Number one. And if, yeah. yeah. And if you say no, and I was in my 30s back then. If I say no, they're like, why? You are how old? Yeah. 30, 35 and still not married. <laughs> It's time. You ended up making up. I ended up making up stories just to like, just to get over these, this, this almost disapproval and shock and pity and all yeah. other things that I would get, and I'd be like, just have to make up a story um, sometimes just to shut people up. Yeah, I would like. I wore a fake, fake wedding ring, and I'd, I, you know, and if I had a yeah. male male travel partner, I would. I we would pretend to be husband and wife, and I'd stick a ring yeah. on my finger and just like yeah. prevent any. Yeah, yeah, answering the it same does, questions and stuff. Yeah, it does. It does help a lot, and that kind of question, uh, the same questions over and over again, it just cracks me up. If I had it on a train, they text it to me. Obviously, they couldn't speak English, so they texted it and showed me the their phone. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> you can write it, but not it's say a- it. It's a big thing. Like getting married yeah. is a massive thing over in India, yes. um, and I'm sure probably in Africa as well. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's expected. You have a daughter in the house, and the, you know they, they already think the daughter is born, and they're already thinking about how am I going to pay her dowry, mm-hmm. and you know <clears throat> how am I going to find her a suitable husband. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, a, it's it's definitely a cultural thing. But I think people over there are also now moving on a lot quicker. You know. Yeah. So, um, than than they were in the past so things are changing they are changing they are changing it's really great and and do you see yourself um how are you feeling with the future have you ever thought of getting your own cat (laughs) maybe or yeah (laughs) (laughs) well um I'm happy taking care of my friend's cat for the time being and it's nice just to be free like I just got back from Ibiza um, I went over um, to see a friend who lives there and I managed to do a story while I was out there as well. Now, if mm-hmm. I've got kids and, and pets and stuff, then it's difficult to be able to like be able to jump and go whenever you want to. That's and I right. kind of really I have a lot of gratitude for that liberty and that freedom. Yeah. Um, the, the grass is always greener sometimes as well. Totally. On the side, I it? totally agree. And it's like, I know friends who have got kids who do have an interesting life and do festivals and do go away, but there is a, there's an element, obviously you have to do a lot more planning. You have to rely on other yeah. people. There might be a sense of yeah. guilt attached to it as well. If you've had to leave the kids. So I really do enjoy that guilt free kind of fluidity of just being spontaneous and not having to, um, you know, selfishly, some may say, <laughs> but um, yeah. be able to just no, um, not not necessarily. I don't think I don't, I don't think it's necessarily selfish because that mm. that makes me that reminds me of the fact that there are so many children in the world that need a home, mm. and I've just I just can't get up rid of this thought in my head and I've carried it with me for such a long time mm. and I, I would be happy to one day maybe adopt mm. um, or um, I don't know if I'm in the financial position to, to foster but it would be nice to do yeah. that with a significant other yeah. and I guess that is that is also one of the reasons I guess niggling reasons why I may not have had children is mm-hmm. because I didn't find a partner in crime to do 
you know, to ride this tide of life. Yes. Um, but I'm happy being single anyway. I've got yeah. no expectations of, yeah. of, of that department. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, feeling sort of the same, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, um, that was one of the reasons I haven't had children is probably because I haven't met anybody. I mean, I, I would... Uh, like I said, consider adopting maybe a child from India or or from Syria, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when I feel a little bit more stable in my position. Mm-hmm. So I think anyone that can should. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I say, you know, what's the point in having like, you know, so many kids Yeah, yes. uh, when there's already so many kids in the world? Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like I've never had a massive urge to be pregnant. And yeah, I've, I've never had that urge. And I don't feel like some women... I remember some women have actually said this to me that yeah, I've missed out on an experience and I'm like mm, there's a lot of experiences in the world and I'm sure like <laughs> that's not a reason to have a child because <laughs> I'm missing out on the, the, the sensation and the experience of of growing a baby um but well the, it's not I, for I, Christmas I, is it a baby's yeah, for life <laughs> and but the I can give to a little brown baby. I mean, I've met some gorgeous little kids. And when I was in Sierra Leone this year, I was like, do you have a mum? <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn. Because <laughs> I can, you know, <laughs> some children, you can just feel that connection and just, I've got so much love for, for children. Yeah. So I, I feel the same as you. Like, I, I do think I'm at a position mentally, may not be, not financially yet, um, but I hope yeah. to be um, um, before I'm too old. But I do, I do, yeah. I would like to be in a situation as well that I could adopt. I think it'd be great. Um, yeah. I think my experiences, and sounds like the same for you that I've had in my life so far, would bring mm. a really great, stable um, life to a, to a child. And also, if yeah. they are from another country, give still, um, you know, introduce so they not still have them um what's what's the word I'm thinking of so to give them the influence of that country so they still know where they're from and kind of absolutely still, still have that um knowledge and experience and my, my dad himself was it was adopted and right and unfortunately he didn't have that um he was very much raised um very British and he didn't ha- he didn't maintain his connection with Sierra Leone until he was much older and, right, and I really saw the pain in that, and yeah, um, and it can yeah. be it can be quite traumatic. That can yeah. be quite a traumatic experience. I have yeah. a, I have a friend who was adopted um, as well. Um, she was she's Asian, but she was adopted by um, Afro Caribbean family, um, and she didn't really have the best experience growing up, sadly, mm. and she didn't have any connection to her Asian roots yeah um and and then like when she met me she was really fascinated by me because then I was and I started trying to introduce her to in aspects of the culture and stuff but I think she was very traumatized by Mm. the lack of connection and then her experience as well so yeah that's I think it's such a responsibility I think um I think just yes we've both obviously seen that through different lenses and I and I would definitely honor that if I was to raise a child from a different culture yeah to make sure that they still feel connected to that I think it'd be really important so I think we'd make great um adoptive parents (laughs) (laughs) yes why not you know and I think maybe but I, I, apparently the process is very, very strict. Yeah. Um, you have, the, you know, you, you do all kinds of like uh, psychological tests, and yeah. um, mm. uh, I mean, which which is rightly so, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I but, agree. 
yeah I, I think it, it's definitely something I'm thinking about for the future yeah um so that 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 would be nice but like you know I don't feel like Bridget Jones anymore I yeah. used to right. you know body clock ticking away where's my Mr Darcy yes. um so I'm over that um yeah. I think it's really important to be happy in yourself yeah um yeah. I think when you have peace in your heart and you have um contentment in yourself then everything else falls into place totally. and i think accept accept and acceptance is freedom i yeah. think as well I, to I an agree. extent i agree and it's funny what you're saying about the the bridget domes thing i remember um not so much now but it, i mean i'm a, i'm on a few little dating apps and it does come up a lot in conversation more i i don't really bring it up but guys will and they'll question like do you want kids and do you, you know do you have kids do you want kids and um, yeah. and it's interesting kind of like obviously you know like do do they think that I'm looking for a partner to have a child and there's kind of this kind of not between men, yeah. but they definitely are very curious to know where you're at and rightfully so I mean it, they need to know if they're getting involved with somebody who is desperate for a child and, and where they stand on that so it feels Definitely it was a period in my yeah. time when it was questioned a lot. But however, I'm getting towards kind of past my halfway mark of my 40s. So it feels like it's getting asked a lot less now, <laughs> which is good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I guess they look at, look at the age and they think, OK, either she's had children mm. or she hasn't. Mm. But by now, she probably won't want yeah. any yeah. Um, because it's it's that age. Yeah. And But will, will she mind if I've got them? Yeah. You know, because, it, you know, a lot of men up by this age have children from yeah. former partners yeah. with former partners as well yeah. so um, and that's something that I've always again well wanted you know happy to welcome in is like and I you know, accepted the fact that my next partner potentially could have well, they could have grown-up children or they could have young children and I'm, I'm actually really open to that um yeah. 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 Well, my, my, my that's my actually that, that reminds me of my my other sister actually. One of my other sisters, uh her her partner, they're both in their 40s and he's a, a divorcee um and he's got two gorgeous little girls and my sister uh they, they, she, she's literally walked into a family unit scenario mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they they and their and their relationship is just getting stronger all the time mm. and they're just really happy with and she's happy to be in that environment with the kids and the family mm. um i think some she probably would have liked children more than i would have right. i guess yeah. um but she's got she's she's now in the situation where you know she's got someone else's children and she's yeah. quite happy with that you know yeah. my mum my mum is often like don't you want your own it's not the same as having your own and my sister's like yeah but love is unconditional yeah. don't you understand it's it's you know I, I love these girls it doesn't matter because they don't come from my own flesh yeah. and blood you know yeah and I'm sure they they love her very much and they'll all they always will and you know it, yeah you, know, you never know at the, end of, at the end of the day you never know what your relationship's going to be like with your children anyway and you can you can form a really tight bond with with any adult whether it's a stepmom or an auntie or or an elder absolutely it's really important to to establish um for young people to establish as many relationships as they can with really solid um humans if you know as many as they can yeah yeah role role models around them it's absolutely important Mm. i mean we're nurtured we are responsible for nurturing the future generations and as aunties that is our special role as well you know um and any other adult in in that plays a role in the life of a child uh, we're all role models for the for the kids 
Um, like some of us, some of us have grown up without role models, and it affects yeah. us in various uh, ways, shapes, and mm-hmm. forms. Um, and so, I, I, I mean, we can take that responsibility yeah. um, to to a, to a fresh new level and be creative with it and inspiring and positive with how we interact with other people's children they don't have to be ours yeah. but it's still like the collective future that we are nurturing totally. so from so from that perspective I think you know we still play a really powerful yeah. role as aunties and as uncles or as like um you know well generally aunties I yeah, suppose you know totally and that's <laughs> something that I re- really yeah. um took up on when I was again going back to Sierra Leone talking about Sierra Leone a lot um but <clears throat> when I was there yeah. um the community the sense of community was amazing and everybody gets called and I mean everyone calls you auntie anyway and but the they do the responsibility that that brings is so lovely like the kids come to you so freely and so openly and it's like and the aunties you know they you know they tell them off and and then they you know wipe the tears and they they do all of it there's no kind of it doesn't feel like there's no shunning away from any form of responsibility nor does it feel like the parents are going to go don't tell my child off or you know they're happy for them to trust each other and that they know that they've got their children's best interests at heart and it felt really powerful really beautiful I think oh it's I really like that it's like to be able to be valued in that way is really really beautiful yeah uh, yeah, absolutely right. I, I think I find that kind of energy more prominent and present in 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 uh, in continents like mm. Africa and also in India as well. Uh, again, we're going back to our mm. roots and those play. I, I I don't haven't really experienced too much of a collective sort of upbringing of children um, in in Western countries as much as yeah. I've noticed in kind of like African and uh, Far Eastern countries, um, yeah. different cultures and. Yeah. ways of being um and yeah you're right everyone's an auntie even in india everybody's yeah. your everyone's your auntie mm-hmm. you know yeah. or your uncle or your it's... uncle and you have respect for for, for your elders and then like, they, yeah. all, they become your friends everyone has a role to play in the upbringing yeah. of the child yeah yeah and the, and there's so much responsibility here for the, you know on the flip side for for parents and for mothers and fathers who yeah. have that full responsibility of raising these children on their yeah. own probably quite yeah. um shy or shame feel ashamed to ask for help and it's that is an awful lot of pressure isn't it if, if they don't have those extra answers around and yeah, yeah. S- support yeah. network is really really important as well and yeah. sadly some people don't have that support network and they mm. struggle bringing up the children by themselves yeah um yeah. And, and and again this is where friends come in as well you know friends mm. become aunties and um, it's a shame those people are in those situations and I hope and wish and pray that they are able to make positive strong connections with other adults so that mm. you know and get some help along the way yeah but this community the, the community spirit is so important uh, in, yeah. in, in the in the life of a child maybe um, we it's need very a, nurturing yeah for sure maybe we need more representation in the media um, for aunties and and uncles and yeah. the extended family and community. Um, I don't really yeah. see that much that much of that in in on TV actually. Um, so maybe yeah, that's that's something that we can put out there. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's very interesting point actually because it's again it's social conditioning and it's and it's kind of like whacked out through mainstream media mm-hmm. that you know that you you need to be two point four kids and yeah. 
you might go and visit your granny on a Sunday. I mean, it does. It's, it's just it's it's not like that in Asian families. I mean, yeah. my mom my mum takes care of my niece, and my sister's working from home because mm-hmm. of the current climate. So she's working on her computer, and then my mum's taking care of, of of the niece. Then you know, then we have like cousins who come out, come around, and they pitch in, and you know, we're all kind of extended family helping each other and living quite close by um mm-hmm. but we don't see it's, it's not but that doesn't sound glamorous you know it doesn't mm. sound as glamorous as you know a good looking couple and their two children going yeah. on holiday and <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and that's it like they're like they have nothing else no other worries in the world or yeah. no other concerns yeah glamorous but maybe not realistic <laughs> yeah, well, yeah i think i think the authenticity of of the family uh spirit is is missing in 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 the media yeah. um so yeah, I mean, I think it's down to aunties also to promote that, you know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. more so the convers- role that we play. Yeah, more conversations around aunties. That's what we need to Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe should that's... we launch an aunt? Should, should we launch an aunties? Aunties for the future generations yeah. um, campaign. I think we should. <laughs> I really do. I really do. I've definitely got a few good friends who'll jump on that. <laughs> yeah sure. yeah yeah and everyone can everyone can be like a proud auntie if they don't yeah. have children and they want and they want yeah. they want to play a role in their life of mm-hmm. life of cho- the lives yeah. of children then um it's yeah. something to think about anyway I isn't it so. yeah and rather <laughs> until we all get a little bit too old I mean and and so you find yourself old and alone which I do think is the case for some elderly people now they do they are alone and they don't have much of an yeah. extended circle of friends in a community so I do think yeah. it's important to like okay to yeah to be think, thinking of that now and who are your you know who, who are your people and um to form those who are your bonds. connections yeah actually did you hear about I think I think it was Norway or Sweden I can't remember but there was a there was a project where they took the kids from the nursery school yeah. like really young kids to uh, interact with um in an old people's yes, home I did hear about that. it was I think it's fun such a fantastic really idea. beautiful because yeah, they yeah and that's just one example yeah, isn't yeah, it yeah because like, adult and um, elderly people and children are, well they, they're kind of almost they're just so compatible aren't they this is like really um very different <laughs> needs but kind of got the same kind of um, innocence yeah. in a way <laughs> and can complement yeah each other. there is there is mm. Absolutely. I think the, the kids come from a place of kind of like wide eyed fascination. Mm. And then and then the and then then the elderly would be like really warming their hearts mm. and like get, feeling like a new lease of yeah. life by connecting yeah. with with the kids. Yeah. So that's really powerful. And we can do it at many levels, many different yeah. levels as well. It doesn't have to be just like kids and yeah. the elderly. Yeah. It could be yeah. different, age, different groups. age groups. Yeah. 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 Community. Power of the aunties. Power of the aunties, yay. <laughs> Nurturing the future. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's, let's, let's, let's think about something like yeah. that, actually. We, maybe, maybe we need to do a brainstorming yeah. session at yeah, some no, point. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm well up for that. Well up for that. Oh, it's, well, sorry, carry on. No, I was going to say, well, it's just been really lovely talking yes, about all of this with you, actually, yeah. Mal. Really lovely. Yeah, you too. Um. And I, 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 like I, like you say, I think we're in a more fortunate situation than a lot of other women mm-hmm. who obviously may have wanted to have children, yeah. but we are happy in the space that mm-hmm. we are in. 
and uh, defying all cultural and social stereotypes mm -hmm. with a with a with a conviction yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, trying to spread some positivity into the world and unconditional love. Yes. So that's that's the place where I'm coming from. Yay! I think we're gonna. I think we should just end it on that because that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Anu. That's been Fantastic. so lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me on the yeah, show, Mel. You're welcome. An absolute honour. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Let's stay connected. Definitely. definitely. This will be continued. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. Um, Looking forward yeah. to it. Take care. Take care. Bye. bye bye, darling. Bye. In a review of the Photo Fringe 2020, Gemma Padley writes. Denise Felkin's collection of portraits of women in the fetal position who have chosen not to have or not been able to have children is moving. Each of these bodies of work allowed me to momentarily put myself into someone else's shoes or think about things in a way I hadn't before. And that to me is what makes photography the endlessly captivating medium it is. I would like to thank all the guests and all the participants in Mum's Not The Word podcast and book and thank you for listening.